0: Episode 17 Be Known for Something with Mark McDonald. Welcome to Productive Ministry, where it is our goal to help pastors do the things they have to do so they can do the things that they're called to do. Today's guest is Mark McDonald. Mark is dedicated to improving church communication strategy so that more people will be reached for Christ. He has over 30 years of advertising, communication, design, writing, and marketing experience, not to mention that he is a national church conference speaker. He also wrote the book, Be Known for Something, Reconnect with Community by Revitalizing Your Church's Reputation. In today's episode, we're going to learn why 3,500 people leave the church every day why mission statements aren't outreach, and why you should have a thread based on your benefit. And don't worry, we also explain to you what all of that means. This episode is jam-packed with insight, so let's just jump right in with Mark McDonald. Our guest today is Mark McDonald, who is president and senior brand strategist at Be Known for Something. Their website is BeKnownForSomething.com. His book, Be Known for Something, Reconnect with Your Community by Revitalizing Your Church's Reputation, comes out today, April 10th. That's available on his website and on Amazon. Welcome to the show, Mark. We're so glad that you're here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about the book. Now, you've been in branding
0: for 30 years.
1: Oh my goodness. Even when whenever I hear somebody say it, I just stop and think, <laughs> I don't remember all thirty years, but that's not because of drugs. I promise you. It, yeah, it's more <laughs> like it's just a blur.
0: Your company be known for something. It's beyond just marketing. It's really you take a communications approach, right?
1: Yeah, it really is. You know, I struggled a lot with: do we call ourselves marketing? Do we call ourselves branding? Do we are we an ad agency? Are we a communication shop? And, uh, and ultimately, all of those business terms, I think they fall flat when it comes to the church world. That, and that's how be known for something kind of sprung up because right. it was another way to say to a pastor, you know, it really is what you're known for in your community. And you are known for something right now but what if you could actually control it? And it it has a little bit of marketing in it. It has a little bit of branding in it, a little bit of communications. And it, I guess that it's the holistic look at leadership in the church and just saying, so who are you? And let's make sure that you are perceived as the right thing in your community.
0: So I, I just read the book. And just let me tell you a few things I enjoyed about your book and I think that our listeners are gonna really enjoy about it. Uh one is you don't bash the church. You're very direct and you don't bash the church. And I love that.
1: How can you bash the church when we are the church? Yeah. And ultimately, I mean God's called us as crazy people to get together and do church. And and oftentimes I just get so tired of watching on social media how quick we as Christians, we go, yeah, and the church shouldn't be doing this and, and the church shouldn't be doing that. And I'm like, okay, that's like that's like getting up and airing your family's dirty laundry. In some sense, it's like, sure, you can call out some stuff, but if you don't have a solution to it, don't call it out. I mean, try to figure out a solution and and let's talk about solutions to the things that we all struggle with. We all have to be aware of the things that we're talking about are the things that we're also struggling with. So um, so that's why, how can you bash when I realize that I'm a sinner and I'm just saved by grace?
0: A couple of other things that I really appreciate about it is at the end of every chapter, there's a discussion section. Uh, And so the book is really designed for not just leaders, but leadership teams to examine what they've just learned and to think practically about where they are in relation to what they've just read. Oh, and that's my my teaching
1: style. You know, as I say, with our, our Bible fellowship class, I'm always saying simple and practical. You know, there are so many simple truths that we hear either in scripture or in leadership books or whatever we're looking at. And we get, we go, oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. I know that. I know that. And, and when you talk simplicity and you talk in simple truths, it's like if everyone just practiced this, then we probably wouldn't have a problem. But the problem is, is that we read simple truths and we don't know how to put them into practice. And that's why when I started talking with my publisher, I said, I really want to, to add a discussion guide. And he was like, oh, I, I throw caution <laughs> to you because, you know, there's a difference between a workbook and, a, and a, a regular published book. And I said, okay, I'm not saying going overboard, but let's just at least, okay, here's the simple truth. And then here are some questions to say, now, did you really hear? Did you really listen oh. to what I'm saying? Because you got to start looking internally and, and you have to answer these questions in order for you to go on to the Nectar.
0: You're not ashamed to refer people to other books. And so there's several chapters where you're just like, hey, if you need more coaching or you need more information on this subject, here's the book that I recommend. And you can you can get that here, which is so great. Because a lot of people just leave concepts hanging. And you're just like, I don't understand at all what he's talking about here. And and I'm just going to Google some stuff. There's this practical aspect to your book to where you say, like you talk about doing a focus group at one point, but then you say, this is how you run the focus group, which is so good, man. Because you, yeah, someone who reads a lot of leadership books and, and things like that, you hear people say, oh, well, you should be doing a survey or you should be doing Doing this, but then they leave you to try and figure out that on your own. And we're not a people, you know, people, we just don't know what we don't know. If we knew how to do that, we probably would have already been doing it. Yeah. And what
1: I find often is that people say, Yeah, focus group. Yeah. Yeah. I could do that. And they've never done it before, so they try. And then over the years, they get better at it. They Google. They find out, oh, well, there's a tip. Oh, that's a cool thing to do. And what I wanted to do was say, okay, for 32 years, I've been doing this. I remember my very first focus group. I remember how incredibly nervous. I just wanted to throw up like through the whole thing because it was like, I think I'm doing an okay, an okay job. I think I'm getting what I'm looking for. And so after 32 years, I just wanted to cram all the knowledge that I have in communication, branding, marketing world into a book that just says, and here are some tips and tricks, and here's how you do it. Here, here are the, here's the way that we walk through every, you know, every time a church comes to us, we walk them through this process and here, if you want to do this, why don't you do it? And you don't even need us. We'd, of course, we'd love to help them, but But if they want to do it here, here's really the way that you have to do. And that's why it's just a very, very practical book.
0: Yeah, I feel and I feel like there's a there's a certain amount of integrity in that because it's not it's not a sales pitch. You're not trying to get people to to buy a product or to to buy a service or or anything like that. You're just being honest with information. You're saying, "I, I know how to do this. This is what I do. And I'm happy to share the information.
1: I've always said that I want to have a heart of a teacher. Uh, There's no sense, you know, I guess that you read books or you hear somebody in a conference and you go, oh, my goodness, he's just so good. Oh, he, 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 he like he brought up this point and he brought up that point and he said that I should be doing. And then at the end, it's like okay, so what did you, what's your big takeaway? And they're like, wow, I guess I just need him. And I, yeah. and I keep thinking, no, I, I mean, if I'm going to put the time and effort into a book, I really want to, to train people to be able to do this because it's not rocket science what we do. It's just really foundational stair stepping so that you, here's, here's where you're at now, here's where you want to be, and here's the steps that you can do to get there. So and, and it's also written in such a way with that discussion guide through every chapter. It's really to help a team do this, not just a senior pastor. Seriously, hold yourself accountable to answer those questions at the end of mm, every chapter. Deal.
0: Now You say that there are 4,000 churches that close their doors every year in America, and that's not even the biggest problem, but that there is, in fact, an estimated 3,500 people who are leaving the church in America every single day. Why do you think that is? You know, I think that ultimately
1: the fact that we disconnected from our communities by turning internally focused towards our congregations. It's kind of like if if you've never shopped at a Costco or, or a Sam's or one of those big box stores. I mean, for years, I drove by them. I knew that there were a lot of cars in front of there. I knew that they sold stuff. But I never really realized why, why would I want to have a membership to that club? Mm-hmm. And then I got my membership and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can have the biggest box of toilet paper that I've ever had. And like the cost per <laughs> roll is just amazing.
0: It's two <laughs> cents. It's two cents.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the the problem is, is that there are hundreds of cars that drive by our churches every single day and people don't know what's going on inside of them. And I think that even the people who do go to the church that are part of the congregation or, you know, they've kind of always gone to the church, they've lost sight of the true value of being part of the church. And it's because we, we just don't communicate it. We don't know the, the pure, Solution that we bring to each other. Because, you know, right. I'll, I'll start talking with a, a large group of people and I'll say, okay, so you all go to a church. I mean, why do you go to church? No, truly, why do you go to church? And at, at that point, it's like, well, you know, if you ask in America today, the average person has one answer it's because that's where I've always gone and it's not a compelling reason at all to bring anybody else in. If if you're at the water cooler at a business and you know you're you're filling up your your water bottle, a guy comes along and you don't even know it, but that guy has woken up that morning and his wife has given him the ultimatum, you either get better or you're out. Just right. get out of my house. And he's struggling and he's thinking there's got to be a better way. And he sees you and he says um, hey, uh, you go to a church, right? Mm-hmm. It's like uh, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just at a point in my life that I, I you know, I got to try something different. I mean, why do you why do you go to your church? And then that person says, that's well, where I grew up or it's where I always went." And that person who's looking for the reason why they should go to your church, it doesn't get any reason at all. Mm-hmm. So, we need to just figure out, so what is your church known for? What is What do you do extremely well that is a pure solution that you can offer and you can give on a temporal level to the people in your church so that when somebody says, so why do you go to your church? They quickly can get this, this information out and it corresponds to the needs of the community.
0: And one of the things that you're presenting in the book is you just say you know church has to be a viable choice with everything that's going on you can't make choices for your community and you can't make choices for your congregation um, but you can control help control what those choices are could could you explain what you meant by that when you were
1: wow i mean that's a that's a big discussion but the ultimately what ends up happening oftentimes in our in our church we go to a fairly large church There's a lot of Bible fellowship classes. And I started thinking, well, actually, because of the prodding of my wife who said, so what are we going to be known for? And I went, it's just a Bible study. And she's like, but what are we going to be known for? And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, I hate that. Uh, Yes, dear. And then Mm -hmm. I started thinking, so what do we want to be known for? Because there are so many choices. If I just said, okay, there's a McDonald Bible fellowship class the people who see that in print or hear about it, then go, Oh, another Bible fellowship class. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like, you're not controlling anything where uh, as soon as I started talking to people, I heard over and over again, you know what? I, I just want simple. I, you know, I can go really deep. You know, there's sermons with lots of points and there's lots of things. And I mean, simplicity was huge so as we heard that, we started talking about simple and practical. So every time that I speak, every time that I get up in front of our class, every time that I talk about something, I continually say, okay, let's just take a simple look at this. When we have a Christmas party, we don't have a Christmas party. We have a simple Christmas party. We mm-hmm. we break everything into simple and practical. Well, we control that message and people – Rather than them saying, yeah, we go to a McDonald Bible Fellowship class. It's, yeah, it's really good. You should come too, which is like, you're not helping them at all. So what, right. we, what you want to do is you want to, you want to control your language so that they hear it on a regular basis so that they pass it along. So that when somebody says, well, how come you go to a McDonald Bible Fellowship class? Well, you know what? It's just really good, simple and practical teaching. And and we get we get, you know, Christmas cards and thank yous and texts and social media posts and stuff. And I'm amazed almost every single one of them say, Mark, we just so appreciate how simple and practical you are in our class. And they always tie in the simple and practical like because
0: those you know, are the words that you wanted to put forward, right? Exactly. And it speaks yeah. to
1: like I know that there's enough people in our church who want simple and practical. And that's what every church needs to, every, they, they need to look at their congregation and they need to look at their community and say, so what are the words that we want to control? And and it's not, you know, I'm not trying to do mind control or anything like right. that, but it's, it's just feed the language to people so that they have that language in the back of their minds that they can pass on to other people.
0: Yeah, and there's always this idea that you teach people who you are, and if you if you neglect that idea they're just going to come up with their own assumptions about who you are
1: well and oftentimes people don't know why they make choices so yeah. so you you need to tell them why they made the choice that's why you know good branding is all about um, the reinforcement of of the benefit So you tell them the story so that they understand, ah, that's why, that's why I like that. And, and as soon as you, you give that, that information to somebody, when it locks into place, that's when that's when all the magic happens the next time someone says so why did you buy that watch or why did you buy that computer they they feed back it, it was it's easy for them to talk about it because they've already been told why
0: and that's perception yeah it
1: is and yeah. that and it's hard to control perception
0: that was one of the the direct things one of the tough pills to swallow as a reader of your book to say okay, I have to accept the fact that it doesn't matter how hard I've been working on, like this mission or this vision statement, that doesn't affect necessarily, you know, mission statements are good for internal DNA and working and making sure that that your programs have a focus and things like that. But that does not help Joe Schmo down the street. Like people in your community have an idea. Your church has a reputation for something. And even if that is having a reputation for nothing, and it doesn't matter what you're actually doing, that perception is reality. The thing is, is that you know, as as we're recording this, I
1: I I don't know. I assume I can tell you, tell everybody that um, we're recording this just before lunch, so I'm hungry. So if, right. if I'm thinking, you know what, I just would love to have a good chicken sandwich. Of course, I would think Chick fil A. So if I'm, I'm like motoring down the road and I'm thinking, I I just want a good chicken sandwich there. Oh, there's the Chick-fil-A. So like you jump out of your car, you run to the door and hashtag not a sponsor. Yeah. Not a sponsor. Not at all. Call us Chick-fil-A. We're happy to, we're happy to hook you up,
0: but (laughs) not a sponsor. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) Or Bojangles or, or I'll throw it all the other, but, but it's like you whip open the door and you're, you're like on your mission to get to the chicken sandwich and this kind gentleman's at the door that goes excuse me can I just talk to you for a second I'd love to tell you why we ate such great chicken sandwiches and I'm thinking oh that's nice but I just want the chicken sandwich all of a sudden there becomes a barrier between me and what I'm looking for and he's trying to fill me in on his business plan. And let me tell you a little bit more about our store. And, oh, my goodness. And here's why we do what we do. And I'm just thinking, awesome, love it, but I just want my chicken sandwich. And right. And that's where the church, oftentimes, we do these navel-gazing experiences where for yeah. years we look at our belly buttons and we we try to figure out, so why are we who we are? What is our vision? What is our mission? And we, we spend countless hours trying to figure all of that stuff out. And then at the end, we say, well, we've got to tell everybody about it and they don't care. They're, yeah. they're looking for a chicken sandwich and you become a barrier because you just want to talk about who you are and what you do and why you do it, which is really critical for you to know, but for the average person in your community, they don't care.
0: You know, And that's, I mean, that's a paradigm shift, man. That, that's like a, that's for, for, for a church leader, for most church leaders, that's going to be a paradigm shift to be able to say, yes, you know, you, you have a vision and a, and a statement and all those other things, but that's not why people are coming to your church. They they go to Chick Fil A for the chicken. They're coming to your church for a reason, and that reason has nothing to do with your mission statement because they don't even know what that is. Exactly. And that's a that's tough. We're man. trying to convince
1: everybody in the community. You know, if you have a uh, some overly spiritualized pithy statement that's attached to your logo they're not waking up in the morning saying i i just want to make mature multiply disciples for Jesus Christ it's not that's that's why and how you do it but that's not going to encourage anybody in your community to to actually want to come i mean it, you know the, it's the classic story in in scripture where Jesus it says that he pulls himself away from his disciples he goes a great distance away from his disciples, like outside of the church. And he goes and he sits where he knows that there's going to be some felt need, which is at the well. And he knows as the w- woman is walking his way, he immediately identifies all of her spiritual needs. He knows that she needs him and that she needs to walk in his footprints, like all the things that you can possibly spiritualize was going on in inside his mind. And then what does he talk about? He talks about water to her. And it's it's so good because if you're going to talk to your community, you can't talk on a spiritual level. They won't get it. They don't think that they need it. So, you know, a third of our communities have just totally shut up all churches out. They're just, they're saying, uh, you know, I have lots of problems, but they're, none of them are spiritual. Well, we know that they are spiritual needs. They don't. Just like that woman oh. didn't know she had spiritual needs. She had, she, in her mind, she had physical needs, and I'm here for water. So Jesus starts talking to her about water. There are some churches who do that extremely well. They breathe into their community, they give, they have food pantries, they have this, they have that, they go out, they do car washes and Sunday mornings, and and yet all they are are service clubs if they don't make the turn to Jesus Christ. They have to communicate that thread of water, and they have to make the turn like Jesus did, where he says, you know what? What if I could give you water that you never thirst again? That's the moment when the spiritual comes into play. And we need to make the turn from our temporal thread, the thing that we're known for in our community. And we have to be able to to make that connection to the spiritual thread. And that's really what the task of the pastor is. It's like, okay, so if we're going to be all about water here, yeah, we've got to know how to talk about water. We need to also know how to talk about thirst. But here's, where, here's the way when people start to engage with you, here's the way that when they start to engage with our church, that we can make that clear turn so that we can talk on a spiritual level.
0: There are some churches that I, I'm aware of that do that really well. One, one church uh, that pops in my mind immediately is Watermark, which is here in the Dallas area. They're one of the mega, mega churches. You know, I know nothing about their vision statement. I know nothing about their mission statement, but I know that they do marriage stuff really well Mm -hmm. and that that is a, that is a big part of who they are. And I know that they have an on fire singles group and they have a service for them called the porch. I think, oh, well, if I need, if I need some marriage help or I need some, some uh, singles fellowship opportunities or whatever, Watermark is a great place to do that but they're also all about the gospel. You know, people are there, they 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 show up for the porch or they, they show up for one of their, their marriage conferences and there's still a church. That's kind of the thing that you're talking about. It's not enough to, to feed the hungry in your neighborhood because then you would just be a food pantry.
1: Absolutely. And and the thing is, is that oftentimes we as churches were scared about talking too much on the temporal level because, mm-hmm. like, cause, you know, that's... You know, part of our churches would go, oh my goodness, we just can't talk about water. Oh, we're about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and the, you know, the blood that redeems. And and the thing is, is that as soon as you start down that path with the people outside of your church or the non-churched world in your community, they instantly see it as a barrier. They see it as that guy at the door saying... Okay, so let me get in the nitty gritty of, of the business plan of what we are what we're doing. And and then you have the other people who love to talk about just the temporal and they've just become social clubs and you know, we're all about fellowship. We love getting together and we just love talking about food and we just and it's like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. here's where the church has to find some proper balance where it's how do you become true light and true salt at the same time?
0: Yeah. One of the quotes I love in your book is We've ultimately done a great job of being salt and a poor job of being light.
1: Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think that, you know, we've faulted towards salt because it's easy. You know, I, I can sprinkle salt into a wound really easy. But mm-hmm. in order for me to put, uncover my light with the, from the bushel basket, and yeah. allow people to be attracted to what I'm doing that's just a whole lot of work and and I think that if we're not attracting it's it's awfully hard to be salt into a community because no. you know here's here's a community you know this is this book's called be known for something right and our perception as a church today is what we're against you talk to people in the community, and they quickly tell you everything that you guys are against. It's like, you all are against this, you're against that, you don't like yeah. this
0: in the community, you don't like that. And Evangelicals are against gay marriage, they're against abortion, they're, and then you ask them, well, what are, what are they for? And um, nobody knows. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. what person in the
1: community wants to jump on the bandwagon of bashing? I mean, it, right. it's like, well, you know what? i got enough problems in my life. I don't need to find problems with everything else. And you guys seem to be against everything that our community seems to be for. So uh, all of a sudden now you've drawn the line in the sand and they don't want to jump over it and you don't want to jump over it. And how's that working for you? Well, that's why 4,000 churches are closing the doors every year. That's why 80% of our churches are in decline or stagnation. That's why people are leaving the church because they just don't like the flavor that happens inside of the church where right. it just seems like we're against everything and we be for something.
0: Let me set up a scenario for you that's pretty common where I am a senior pastor at a church and you know my church is, is struggling with some internal issues. Like we're constantly having battles about um, missions and funding and and keeping people uh, continuing to go to our church. And, you know, all our meetings are about all the difficulties that our church is having. Let's say that I read your book and I recognize that there needs to be a message for the community. I'm not feeling strong enough to be able to say, oh, well, we need to be using some of our, our resources, which are very limited, which we mostly focus on just trying to keep the church afloat in a more outward perspective. How are you going to convince me that that's worth doing?
1: Well, you know, eighty percent of churches aren't growing; they're they're in that pause mode or downward spiral mode. As soon as a church gets to that stage, it's awfully hard to bring them back. Um, hmm. When when I worked for you know I was creative director of one of Eastern Canada's largest ad agencies. Through all of that, when a business would come to us and they would say, well, you know, we we grew really fast and, and we kind of sustained it for a long time. But now we're in a slide. It's awfully hard to get a business to come out of a slide. You have to reinvent. And that's where when a church comes to us and they're struggling, you have less money. You have less momentum. Everybody are in your congregation somewhat senses the fact that there's some big problems going on. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I would, I would strongly urge pastors to start uh, almost fresh where they just take a brand new uh, look at this, you know, and this book can actually do it where let's jump back, let's reconnect with our community. And we do that by revitalizing our reputation what is the reputation yeah. that, that we can be in this community? Because most people outside of your walls don't know about all your problems, only the people mm-hmm. inside your walls. And, it, and that's where that's the true vision. It's like as soon as you have the vision to reach your community by using a particular thread, as soon as you start doing that, that's the vision where people go, okay, pastor, I understand, I get it. I want to I want to reach our community. I want to bring my neighbors in. I let's bring our church back. And that's the rallying that can happen around actually figuring out what you should be known for.
0: Right? So, I go into my community and I do what? Like I'm taking a survey of what the problems are in my immediate area.
1: Yeah, That that sounds really negative. Uh, <laughs> it's like, just look at the problems in your, what I say is, and I am a people watcher. I, yeah. you know, I, I was traveling yesterday. I was in a couple of airports and uh, you know, I, re- I walked through the Atlanta airport and I think God lays on my heart every time that I see a group, like there's so many people there, like so many people are traveling and, and as they're, you know some look concerned very few people look happy there's there's groups of people that are trying to figure out what to eat where should we go what do we do my my trip's canceled and and god just lays on my heart every single time every one of them has a story and every one of them needs jesus and, and yeah. somehow i've got to figure out how do i connect with them and and that's what we need to do we need to walk around our communities and and if you and and this go this opens up a big can of worms, but I Let's believe I believe that every church needs to determine what persona, what group of people they really should do ministry with. That doesn't mean mm. that you're excluding the rest of the community, but if you really have a heart for, you know, a blue collar worker that's struggling, trying to make ends meet and raising a family, if that's your go-to, like, man, I can do that really well. Well, then go through your community. Find out where do they meet now. The devil has a great way of of creating fellowship outside of the church. So right. how is that fellowship satiated community now? Go watch, look to see what they're talking about. Look to see how they're, they're you know, what do they look like? Then come back and look in your church, see, okay, so how far do we have to move in order to, to look like, and I'm not saying like, if it's the bar that we should set up a, you know, (laughs) a, a, you know, beer on tap on the right next to the communion table, (laughs) but it's that whole thing of, okay, so does our church look like the places where they meet? Does it feel like Mm -hmm. the places that they meet? And and I and again, I'm not saying that the church needs to drift towards the world. I'm just saying that there are some things that are off the spiritual table that we can take a look around a Starbucks, say and say, "Wow, look how calm that place is." They right. don't have crazy uh, conference room carpet in there. And then you walk through churches, and it's like, "Where did you get this carpet? Like, this is just crazy." No one like well it looks like a church well yeah. they're not going to be attracted to some place that looks like that type of a church and so yeah. you've got to you've got to start looking to see where they're meeting but then like this is this is the big thing what age are they in your community what's their average age what's their demographic what do you know is it a diverse group well if it's a diverse group and you don't have a diverse group it's going to be awfully hard for them to acclimatize themselves to wanting to be part of your group. If they're a younger group, you know, the average American uh, city, town um, is, you know, is full of millennials. It's full of the 30-somethings, and and most of our churches are devoid of our 30-somethings. So, so the average age of most communities is like 36, 37, possibly, I'm just guessing. Don't everyone write that down, saying, "Well, that's the average age of our community." Like most communities are that young; they're under forty. What's your average age of your church? And then, how do if you want to become known for the place for them to want to come, they have to feel like their community. It has to it has to have kind of that average age, which is hard to do. And you just have to do everything within your power to do it. Your communications has to show younger people with the same tension that you have to make sure that you're authentic. You can't just hire a bunch of young actors to walk through your church and take pictures of them and then have everyone just arrive saying, well, I know there's young people here someplace because they, they won't feel that at all. So it has to be authentically presented, but Getting back to the original question, you have to figure out in your community what are the needs and concerns, the perceived needs. What are what are the things that are are really tugging at their hearts? We do a full demographic study of the reach area, and then we take a look and we say, so what are the concerns? What are the needs? We we might see that there's a huge divorce rate in your area, and at that point. You have to say, well, if there's a huge divorce rate, that means that they they obviously need Jesus, but they also need healthy marriages. So you might become Sorry. known for healthy marriages like what you were saying with Watermark does. and And at that point, it's how do we reach people? How do we get them to understand that we offer solutions? Well, on your social media, you might post that, you know, here are the three things that you need to do as a husband this weekend to make your your wife feel loved. Here's a downloadable that you can download, a quick sheet that you can put next to your steering wheel of what to talk about in the car with your wife to make sure she lo- she knows you love her. You know that right. that type of thing, so that when I'm in the in the work setting, and somebody I hear. It's like, oh, there goes another one. There's someone else with a really bad marriage. I can go over and say, you know what, our our church—it's crazy—but on our website, there's some there's some steps to how to save your marriage that you might want to just check check that out. And their reaction would be, you know what, I I don't need church, but I need that. And, yeah. and that's where we know where full engagement happens. They, they'll start engaging with your church on a different level. And it's not even saying, and come to church with me. You got to come to church with me. Instead, it's engage with them outside of the church. And then they'll eventually want to come to your church.
0: Again, like that's a shift in focus. I know a lot of churches who spend quite a bit of time developing who they are when they're starting and they're thinking about vision, mission, They're thinking about well, who are we as a congregation? Let's create create an avatar of who we are, and they're not creating that that avatar that um that imaginary person of of who their community is, right? And they they say, you know, first and foremost, we're Christian. Second, we're Baptist. Well, it's what they call the DNA, and yes, and then this is our. This is our DNA. So
1: the the pastor again becomes internally focused to describe who they are. And yep. then it's like so who are you trying to reach? We're trying to reach people who are like us. Right. No, you need to go back to reconnection with community and you become who they are so that
0: mm-hmm. you can reach many. Those are fighting words, man. I know. Those are fighting words. That's tough stuff, dude. Well,
1: um Paul says it. I mean, I'll become all things to all people that I might save some. I mean, we have to start reconnecting with our communities. Our churches are shrinking and our communities are growing. There's some right. disconnection that's happening that we have to fix.
0: It's scary though. I'm just gonna be honest. It's scary. I live you know, I live in a I live in a in a suburban neighborhood. It's actually what we call outer city, where it's um it's outside the city, but it's becoming very inner city as, as, as what was once inner city is now becoming gentrified. Inner city is now moving to our neighborhood. There are a lot of churches who are terrified at the prospect of being completely different, not only socioeconomically, but culturally being completely different. And they've never been able to, to get past that fear or, you know, they sit in their, their meetings uh, around their little staff tables. And, you know, we're having these conversations about what we've decided that their needs are based on our perception of what we think inner city people need.
1: Yikes. And you know what? They should probably just pre-plan their funeral. Hmm. Because if if they're so scared of their community, and right. they're pushing their community away all the time. They're eventually just going to age out and go away.
0: That's tough, man. That's tough. And uh, it's happening everywhere. You have this great premise where you're saying you have to lead with your benefit. You have to, like people have to know why going to your church or being affiliated with your, your congregation is a benefit to them. And they need to be able to find that information easily and understand it clearly. And you say that that is part of your thread. Now explain that term thread to me.
1: Well, we know and and I went to, you know, Bible college, Bible um school and um we know that the 66 books of the Bible are held together. They're like incredibly different books, different chapters. I mean, if it was man yeah. putting it all together, there's just like no way it could happen. But yeah. the thread that holds all 66 books is thread of Jesus Christ's blood that's drizzled all the way from Genesis to Revelation right. and and that thread holds crazy different stuff together so that everyone can keep coming back and reminding themselves, "Ah, oh, that's why we're here." That's why that verse is here because it connects to the thread. And in the same way that Jesus uh connected, he engaged with his community, you know, with water, that water becomes the thread. It it becomes your temporal thread that connects to the scarlet thread. So your thread, it's similar to in social media when somebody posts something and then everyone comments afterwards, and I, I love reading comments, but that becomes a thread. So it's like, so why did that person say that? Well, it's because if you read back through the thread and in the same way, Our churches need to create this thread that unites their ministries and unites all the disparaging parts of their, um, you know, of their ministry. So that instead of ministry silos jumping up all over the place, um, instead it actually allows people to unify your message and to actually, you know, speak in unison across, uh, you know, all ministries so that more people will hear.
0: Right. Now, now, what does that look like practically? So I'm working at a church and let's say that, you know, our benefit is, um, I don't know, give me a good example of a benefit. Well, our why benefit, don't we go with the
1: healthy marriages? Because that's what okay. we said before.
0: So our benefit is healthy marriages. And so the way that we use the thread, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the expert, in all of our Sunday school classes or in all of, you know, our... Everything is built with that idea in mind or has an element of that somehow incorporated.
1: Yeah, exactly. So every every one of your ministries needs to figure out how do we connect ourselves to the thread. How does children's ministry in a church ultimately help the marriages of the parents? Mm. Well, as soon as you say that, it's like, you know, in creativity, being a creative director— oftentimes that's what we ended up doing it was like you know someone would bring us something that we had to advertise for and we would say well advertising that is like this and then we would creatively connect that the you know those concepts together and in the same sense it's throwing the you know, the concept of the thread out. And then every children children's pastor right now is like screaming at their podcast going, that's yeah. easy. Of course, if you're, if you train children in the way they should go, I mean, it's going to help the whole family unit It's going to certainly help the parents. Well, that's what you have to emphasize to your children is that we, we teach you so that you can help your parents love each other. We you hmm. so that your family units get along, but we ultimately want to make sure that Jesus is brought into your home so that your parents can sense that love through you and that they can love each other as Christ loved the church. So like, right. you know, the good threads are actually um, pretty ambiguous they're pretty big and yeah. want them to be that way because if you get too specific all of a sudden it's hard to tie all your ministries together a pastor needs to be able to take their thread and talk about it um, you know regularly but not to the point where everyone's just like purely sick of it but mm-hmm. if it is a solution that everyone needs on a regular basis, they'll want to hear you talking about it. And that's another good sign of a good thread. And then you make sure that, you know, your student ministry, your adult ministry, like all, everything ties to the thread and the way that the last part of the book, um, we get really, really uh, deep into the weeds of how do you set up your communication strategy? How do you actually mm-hmm. communicate that thread Um, The joy of the process that we recommend is that every communication piece that happens in your church, whether it's website, email, texting, pop-up banners, bulletin announcements or stage announcements, everything's tied to a a certain uh, ranking, a tier of, of how important it is in your church and the importance of all of your events and and ministries has to come back to ultimately how close is it tied to your thread. The right. closer it is to your thread, the more you want to talk about it, the more op-, op communication options you give because that's the way you control the language you get it out there and everyone fully understands how your thread is com- you know connected throughout all of your church.
0: Right, that's really good. And and you start you start Small. You start locally, right? You don't go too big too fast. You don't try and overstretch your reach
1: with with the communication of your thread.
0: With your communication of your thread, you're not trying to capture a large audience at first. Oh my goodness! Um,
1: I'm I'm amazed The the pastors who like to talk about DNA are oftentimes mm-hmm. thinking about planting their DNA some other place because we've exhausted our community. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And oh my goodness, like that's just crazy talk. Like, why would you? Uh, I almost said "infect." Hmm, that's probably not the word. <laughs> why would you take your DNA outside of your community when your community is who should have set your DNA? So
0: yeah, it's
1: like here we are. Our community, our church was birthed out of our community, and we love our community, and we. It's like have you really seriously reached a hundred percent of your community for Jesus Christ, then why not do a better job there before you decide that you're going to start a satellite ministry down the road in another community right. that looks totally different. And they don't want your DNA because your DNA looks like that community. They would like another DNA. So we set up, we set ourselves up for failure oftentimes just with the thoughts of how we can try to improve and get bigger numbers.
0: There's this other quote, I'm just going to quote you here. You say, your, your successful church product should be associated with a particular need that your congregation is aware of. If not, be sure to emphasize the problem in order to attract their attention to the solution your program provides. And then you just ask the question, do you know the solutions that you're offering for each of your programs? Do you know why you're doing what you're doing?
1: And um, most churches would say, well, we do that because we've always done it. And I just want to slow ministers down to say, Okay, let's stop just doing it the way that we've been doing it because it's not working. Let's yeah. let's figure out what is the solution. What are you offering through that program? What are you offering through that event? What are you actually offering? And And what I strongly urge every pastor that's listening is to figure out their thread. And then does it support our thread? Does it support the benefit of our church in this community? Because if you Mm -hmm. set up your thread based upon the needs of your community and it offers a solution, it just makes it easier. It seriously, productivity wise, it allows you to focus on one core message and you know, that message is going to reach people for Jesus Christ.
0: Well, I mean, it's just, it's such good work. Like I said, it's in, it's, it's direct. I mean, you're not pulling any punches here, brother. You're not pulling any punches. You're, you're very direct. And I, I appreciated like the honesty of the book. So I really appreciate you giving me your time. Thank you for writing this book. Again, like this book is going to be available today, April 10th. Um, and they can get it uh, immediately on your website which is BeKnownForSomething.com. Uh, and what are some other things that are that they're going to find on your website? Well,
1: and if they go to BeKnownBook.com, which actually okay. redirects to a, a portion of Be Known for Something, it just goes to the book page. But the Be Known book goes direct uh, onto a page that kind of gives you the the values of the book and, and some video and stuff. And the uh, um, also, that's where you'll find that we bundle some books so that, for those people who want to, to go through with a group, this is an easy-to-lead, easy-to-read book. Um, it's one of those things where we strongly urge every pastor, whether it's their deacons board or their trustees or the or the communications team, whatever team you're working with, we would strongly urge you to, to buy the bundle that everyone can have a book, everyone can read and then come together to, to answer these questions. And they are... You know, you probably I I love that you called me direct because I life's too short to not be direct. Let's just figure out what's working and what's not working. Let's let's change it so that things are working, because I think that's what God's called us to. And that's what we call excellence.
0: Mark, if someone has a question for you, uh, can they tweet at you or? Absolutely. on
1: On Facebook, you can look up Mark McDonald, author, um, and uh, and they can get a hold of me. And then almost everything else, uh, you can find me through most social mediums uh, under Mark Mac ten twenty three. That's my birthday. Mark Mac ten twenty three.
0: Good to know. Good for all our stalkers out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. Hey, Mark, thanks again for your time. Thanks for being on our show today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. One thing that I'm taking away with me today is that our DNA needs to be defined not by who we are, but by who our community is. I don't know what it was, but this information was a paradigm shift for me. What are you taking away from today's episode? Let us know at Facebook... Dot com slash org, or at Prod Ministry on Twitter. That's P-R-O-D Ministry. Tweet about the show using the hashtag Productive Ministry. Today's show is produced by Timothy Jenkins. The Productive Ministry podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you like to get your podcast at. Wherever you listen, please rate, review, and subscribe. This helps us if you haven't uh, rated or reviewed the podcast yet please do that this week and we'll teach you that on a future show complete show notes including links to resources mentioned in this episode can be found at our website productiveministry.org guys we hope that you'll share this episode we'd love to talk to you about it this has been a production of Rumble Media LLC and as always we hope you have a productive week